3 a.m. Tales of Terror contains explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to another episode of 3 a.m. Tales of Terror, where we tell you stories of the paranormal. I'm your host, Jamie. And I'm Kenny. Yep. So we're back again. You're not missing another week because <laughs> I'm not sick anymore. Mm-hmm. And we're recording this on Saturday. I am really pushing how late <laughs> to record because this episode comes out on Monday. And so I have to edit it tomorrow. You got this. I mean, You'll yeah. Do good things. I also have my final exam to take tomorrow too for this class that I'm in. FBI. Oh my gosh! So, and also tonight, just as a reminder—well, not really a reminder for y'all, but a reminder for you to listen—we um, are going to our friend Avery's, his band, um, JB Walker. Yep, they're having, they're having their, their album release party. Their album release party for round one. Their album. So, just as a reminder, make sure you go and listen to it on Spotify. And check them out. And I hope that you guys enjoyed listening to Night Talks, the song that we put at the end of the episode a couple episodes ago. So, Which Avery secretly wrote for me. Oh my god, yeah, really. It's our love song. (laughs) (laughs) So, anyways, so just make sure you go check them out, because, you know, we're still supporting them. Um, And then this episode, we're going to be talking about the Turner Ingersoll Mansion, or also known as the House of Seven Gables. Is it? Is it because the roof has seven gables? Actually, it has eight. So I don't know. False advertising. I know. False <laughs> I think I read that somewhere in here when I was, because I also just got done researching this story. So um, I think it actually has eight, not seven, but. False advertising. It. Well, I think we also touch on how uh, it got its name. Not sure. Let's do this. But also, um, I don't know. Just as you guys always know that uh, you know anything can be uh, explicit at any time. But I know we are talking about a little bit about the Salem witch trials. So I'm not sure if there's going to be any violence or murder mentioned. I don't think so. But just a heads up, just in case. Just remember, witches weigh as much as ducks. What? Mm-hmm. Monty Python proved it. Oh, my God. Burn her! No? Okay. You know what? You claim to like Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yeah, and I've watched it, like, twice. Well, for anybody that understands the reference... Twice in, like, five years. You gotta remember how to catch a witch. They weigh as much as a duck. Well, how do you know? How are you supposed to know how much a duck weighs? You get a duck. A male duck or a female duck? They're they're not that ex- they're not that specific in the movie. Well, they found her out that she was a witch. My God. Okay. Anyways, so the House of Seven Gables or the Turner Ingersoll Mansion is in Salem, Massachusetts, because obviously we all know that that's where the Salem witch trials took place. Massachusetts. <laughs> That song. They say there is no house in Salem more haunted than the Turner Ingersoll, better known to many as the House of Seven Gables. With its gothic-inspired cross gables and dark-as-coffee wood clapboards, Turner and Ingersoll's infamous House of Seven Gables looks like something out of a Hansel and Gretel spinoff. 
And we all know what happened to them. The breadcrumbs only worked for so long. But while Hansel and Gretel face their own fate, the Turner Ingersoll has been given a variety of fates over the years. A variety of identities, too, depending on the century and on the owner. Once the home of a hat and shoe merchant, this historic property on Salem's Derby Street now belongs to the House of Seven Gables Settlement Association, along with several other century-old homes. Today, it functions as a museum and event location, welcoming all through its doors to learn about the Salem-born author Nathaniel Hawthorne and life during the 1840s. As for the ghost of Turner Ingersoll, it depends upon who you ask to whether or not they exist. Will you believe in the haunted house of Seven Gables? So Seven Gables is an association, right? Maybe maybe the criteria is you have to have at least Seven Gables to be in it. I don't know. Are we going to have Seven Gables? We're not going to have Seven Gables. Hell We have no. one gable. Hell no. We got two because of the front porch. I haven't even seen what this house looks like. I'm so bad. I 3D modeled it. I know. But I don't know what this house looks like. I don't know what the House of Seven Gables looks like. We should pull it up really quick. Oh, my God. You got this. Later. Okay. Later. All right. Now we're going to talk about the history, the construction, and wealth. Before there was Hepzibah Pinchion from Nathaniel Hawthorne's 1851 novel, The House of the Seven Gables, there was John Turner, a son of an indentured servant from England. Despite his father's arrival to the American colonies under a system that ensured at least 7 to 12 years of servitude to his employer, John Turner quickly stamped his mark on Salem, Massachusetts. He was an invested hat and shoe merchant, and by 1668 had amassed a large enough fortune to construct a new house. That house was the much later nicknamed House of Seven Gables. The original structure was simple in nature, with only two rooms and two and a half stories tall. But Turner was not content with just being a hat merchant, no. There was much more money to be made. He worked in Salem's maritime field, becoming a captain, and accumulating more money than his neighbors would ever know what to do with. By the time of Turner's death in 1742, he was one of the most wealthy men in the entirety of the Massachusetts Bay Colony. His probate inventory, i.e. an itemized list of his ownings at the time of his death, spanned 14 pages when the average inventory for the period was perhaps just one or two sheets long. In fact, John Turner's son, aptly named John Turner II, inherited six homes in the Bay Area, 200 acres of land, and a handful of ships docked at Salem's Port. A former researcher for the Colonial Williamsburg Foundation, Carrie Carson, once wrote, Today it is the lone survivor in New England of the kind of high gentry house that introduced to North America new cosmopolitan ideas about domestic living in the last quarter of the 17th century. Merchant John Turner built himself a bigger, better dwelling than most of his neighbors owned. Indeed, John Turner did exactly that. Unfortunately, the third generation of Turners in Salem lost the fell swoop of the fortune and the prize family home was sold in 1782 to Samuel Ingersoll. Okay, so two things. High gentry just means like high class. So it's it's um gentry is just like a social standing where you are. So high gentry just means that it was pe- it was people of higher class, higher wealth. So also, the second thing. Six houses and 200 acres of land. Can I like um inherit that from somebody? Well, the thing the thing about it is is 
The houses is impressive. The land is not as impressive. But the boats. The boats. Oh, a handful of ships. A handful of ships. What is a handful? How many is that? It's probably like, he probably... Two is a couple, three is... He probably got six or seven ships. Yeah, probably. And I think that's worth... The, the, the boats are probably worth more than anything. I mean, now, yeah. No, then. Oh, well. Even still, that's crazy to me. And first of all, I love that he was just like, you know, I make enough money, but I need more. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Same. It's like that doesn't sound like anybody else that I know. I feel at that all. spiritually. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so now we're gonna move on to the Ingersoll family and Nathaniel Hawthorne. When Sea Captain Samuel Ingersoll took on the Turner House, it had grown exponentially from its original two-room dwelling. John Turner the first had later added a kitchen lean-to, a south wing to the house, and a two-story porch. He also added the secret staircase, known to many, thanks to Nathaniel Hawthorne's House of Seven Gables. But Samuel Ingersoll intended to fancy up the place even more. He removed the famed gables and exchanged them for intricate Victorian detail work. The Turner House became the Turner Ingersoll Mansion. It was during the Ingersoll era that Samuel's daughter, Susanna, some records call her Susan, frequently invited her cousin, Nathaniel Hawthorne. So that's how he's um, related to this story. I was wondering, I was like, how is he? I was like, I know it's Nathaniel Hawthorne. How is he? Oh, they're cousins. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. So now we're going to talk about the Hawthorne curse and see what Nathaniel Hawthorne brought on to this family. Author Rosemary Ellen Guiley of Haunted Salem once wrote that Turner and Ingersoll's House of Seven Gables is a ghostly reminder of shipping fortunes made and then lost, a bust blamed on the curse of the witch trials of 1692. But the Turner Ingersoll is a reminder for more than just lost shipping fortunes. It is also a blatant reminder of Nathaniel Hawthorne's guilt. It was Hawthorne's great-grandfather, John Hawthorne, who served as a judge during the Salem Witch Trials of 1692. As records show, Hawthorne may have feigned sympathy for the accused witches, but he never regretted his involvement in their trials and executions. And he certainly never expressed any remorse during the trials themselves for sending the accused to their deaths. It's said that Hawthorne truly believed in the evil of witchcraft and thought it to be a real threat to the population of Salem. That's because you was drinking the Kool-Aid. That's fine. <laughs> what? What? So they found out that the witch trials was from bad bread. Bad bread. Well, then he was eating the bad bread. Yeah, they were all pretty much on psychedelic drugs the entire time. Oh, my God. No, like, like for real. I believe you. I'm just, I know. They, they harvested the wheat, like, really late, and a fungus had grown in it, and then when they cooked it, and the heat hit it, it pretty much turns into like a semi-concentrated mushroom or LSD type hallucination. So kind of like, what's that plant that, I think it's elephants. I think elephants eat a certain type of plant to get high, pretty much. Right. So then when they were all taking it, because it's like it only happened in Salem. Salem, and then it magically went away. It's not like it teared off. It was like death, 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 smite them, death, nothing, done. Oh, my God. And everybody just walked around and was like, we really burned those girls? Eh, weird. Oh, my God. 
Following the witch hysteria of the late 1600s, the Hawthorne family lost most of their wealth. Even their high status within the society plummeted, no doubt influenced by the families of the accused witches who sought justice for their dead loved ones. Especially, I mean, I would fight somebody too, especially if I found out that that was what the problem was. Like, you killed somebody over bad breath. I mean, it took us 250 years to figure it out. Still. By the time Nathaniel was born in 1804, the so-called curse of the Hawthorne family had not yet been lifted. During the days that he spent with his cousin Susanna in the 1840s, she revealed more and more of their family's turbulent past. She regaled him with stories of his family's involvement with slavery and other evils. At first, Nathaniel confessed to an interest in the Salem witch trials, but with age and maturity came a sort of revulsion for his ancestor, Judge John Hawthorne, to the point that he allowed Susanna to convince him to alter his last name. Until some generations before John Hawthorne, the Hawthorne name had actually been spelled as H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E, so with a W. But speaking to Nathaniel's concern over his bu- his budding author career, Susanna... Wait, what? Okay, so John Hawthorne, like his great-grandfather, his name was spelled without the W. His Hawthorne was spelled without the W. So H-A-T-H-O-R-N-E. No, it had the W. It had the W? It had the W. She convinced him to take the W out. But he put it back in. Yeah. Okay, hold on. It was, it was great-grandfather had it. Okay. They removed it. Then she told him to put it back in. Okay. So speaking to Nathaniel's concerns over his budding author career, Susanna persuaded Nathaniel to add the W back in. That way, she said, no one would ever know of Nathaniel's dark, shameful lineage. Unfortunately, despite the surname switch, Nathaniel's complete disgust over John Hawthorne's sins made a frequent experience in a lot of his literary work. So he... He changed his name. He didn't want she. It sounded like she didn't want people to know about his great great his great great grandfather. But right, he didn't. He obviously didn't care because he talked about it in his books. So yeah, women are weird, man. I don't know. Nathaniel Hawthorne in the House of the Seven Gables in the opening pages of Nathaniel Hawthorne's debut novel. Debut. The, you don't pronounce the T. I do. You don't. The Scarlet Letter. He took the time to apologize for his family's involvement in the Salem witch trials. He wrote, He, Judge Hawthorne, made himself so conspicuous in the martyrdom of the witches that their blood may fairly be said to have left a stain upon him. I know not whether these ancestors of mine bethought themselves to repent and ask pardon of the heavens for their cruelties. At all events, I, the present writer, as the representative, hereby take shame upon myself for their sakes and pray that any curse incurred by them may now and henceforth be removed. <laughs> Pleading with the dead. I don't, and I, see, I just don't like that. Like, I mean, I get why he did it. He, he's a budding, he's a new author and he, he wanted, you know, he wanted people, he didn't want people to think that he was associated with it, which, okay, you're talking two generations later. So God knows how much later it was. Obviously the witch trials were over with. It's like, obviously he had nothing to do with it. And he, but he's apologizing for it. I don't know. I just don't like that to me. Yeah, it's yeah, like, no. it, it is what it is though. I mean. It's like people, it's like. The book that made the Turner Ingersoll was no better in showing Nathaniel Hawthorne's desire to separate his identity from that of his ancestors. 
The following year, in 1851, with the release of the critically acclaimed House of the Seven Gables, Hawthorne was added again. The book's plot was centrally based <clears throat> based on Hawthorne's own family and Judge John Hawthorne's fight with Philip English, whose wife Hawthorne had condemned to death for witchcraft. In the book, the Pinchion family has allegedly suffered greatly for its involvement with the witch hysteria. But as Judge Pinchion desperately wants his next-door neighbor's land, he sets a course of action to see that the neighbor, Thomas Mall, is convicted for witchcraft. Poor Thomas Mall is at the gallows on Gallows Hill when he cursed the Pinchion family. He said, God will give you blood to drink and quench your greed for eternity. Judge Pinchion ignores the threat and continues on with his life. He takes the mall land and builds an illustrious estate on it, including a house that is said to have looked eerily like the Turner Ingersoll Mansion, a.k.a. the House of the Seven Gables. But Pinchion's good fortune quickly seeps away. At the first dinner in the house, the judge dies, and he does so by choking on his own blood. Game of Thrones wed-redding anyone? Now we know where George R. R. Martin got his inspiration. <laughs> That's funny. Following Pinchion's ill-timed death, the land is once again restored to the Mall family, and all live happily ever after. Or, happily ever after for now, at least. So he literally, he literally wrote a book. He wrote in his book about a real-life event that happened. He just changed names. I mean, like, literally. I mean, that makes sense. If it's a good story, it's a good story. Yeah, but if he... I guess he really just didn't care. I guess, especially since he apologized for it, I guess. He was just like, right. I'm sorry, but it makes for a good story. So here we go. <laughs> oh, my God. And the Game of Thrones thing. That's funny. That's probably where they really got it from. He probably did. Yeah. Well, unless you're like a super fan. You're like, George R. R. Martin is a masterpiece. And nothing persuaded him to write anything about Game of Thrones. It has no... It all came from his brain. Like Stephen King. Nothing inspires him. He's just... Oh, a lot of shit inspires Stephen King. I'm, I know. I'm just But people hold George saying, R. R. Martin on such a pedestal. I don't, I don't I've never read any... A single one of his books. You know why? Why? Because it's not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm somebody, sorry. Somebody described him one time as a modern day Tolkien. And I was like, oh God. Oh boy, here Absolutely we go. Absolutely not. <laughs> not even close, homie. Oh Arguing no. Arguing for a different day though, but no. Oh boy. You're going to make somebody mad. <laughs> well, email email us. Let me know if I made you mad. Oh, my God. I know everybody loves Game of Thrones, the TV show, probably more so than the books. But I've never watched Game of Thrones. I've never read the books. I've never read a George R. R. Martin book at all. Yeah. So, okay. So, anyways, back to the story. Restoration of the Turner Ingersoll Mansion. Eli's taking a nap. He has worn down now. No more opening and closing the door and going crazy. Maybe. Much like the Turner family, the Ingersolls lost their mansion after three generations. Maybe that's the real curse. When Susanna's son, Horace, lost the family fortune and sold the house in 1879. According to one New York Times article, by 1870, a Salem guidebook had already identified the building as the House of the Seven Gables. And it is the House of the Seven Gables. I just, I have a hard time pronouncing the, the putting the the in there because mm. I, I, I don't know. Maybe I read too fast. In 1908, philanthropist Caroline Emerton purchased the infamous Turner Ingersoll Mansion with the intention of converting it into a museum. Isn't that, that's, that's just what they always do. <laughs> Everything gets turned into a museum. What do we do with it? Museum. <laughs> museum or church? Fuck it. 
she hired the noted restoration architect Joseph Everett Chandler to handle all renovation projects. Interestingly, Chandler had just come off a project of restoring the Paul Revere House in Boston. Under Caroline Emerton's instructions, Chandler brought back to life the eight, not seven, gables of the home, as well as to recreate the Hepzibah Pension scent shop featured in the book. Told you. Eight. Today, Turner and Ingersoll's House of the Seven Gables is much more than a single museum. Emerton purchased and moved other properties related to Nathaniel Hawthorne to the Turner Street location. When you visit the Turner Ingersoll, you are truly stepping back in time. And if you're lucky, you might even have a chance to take a peek at the secret staircase. Not so, the not-so-secret The not-so-secret staircase. <laughs> now we're going to talk about the ghosties. The ghosty ghost. Is the Turner Ingersoll haunted? Well, it sort of depends upon who you ask. Each year, the museum hosts a series of theatrical plays, all of which surround the Salem Witch Trials. Such plays as Legacy of the Hanging Judge, i.e. Judge Hawthorne, and Spirits of the Gables, which is a recreation of Nathaniel Hawthorne's book. As for the ghosts outside of the theatrical performances, well, everyone has their own opinion on that. Tour guides and employees tend to argue that the Turner Ingersoll is not haunted at all. When asked if there are any spirits lurking around the house, they are quickly to reply, Nope, no ghosts here. They must be white. White people always say shit like that. It was the wind. I know. It was the wind. It's like, get out. Huh? Floors are creaky. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Especially in an old house like that, because it was built. When was it built? Uh, I mean, the 1600s, late 1600s. Or, yeah, I think it's in 1700s, yeah. Well, whichever. No, no ghosts. Like, yeah, you've convinced me. Sold. A, a bitch, I won't live in a house built before 1950 because of that. <laughs> like. Fair point. But local lore has a different story to tell, and so do many of the visitors who enter Salem's House of the Seven Gables. So now we're going to talk about the ghostly figures of at the Turner Ingersoll Mansion. For many years, there have been a number of spirits reported at the Turner Ingersoll Mansion. In the famous not-so-secret staircase, visitors have witnessed the spirit of a man clamoring up and down the stairs. Those who have seen him are quick to link his spectral existence to the Underground Railroad. But the Turner House, even during the 18th and 19th centuries, was never a stop on the Underground Railroad. And those secret steps were not even built until nearly 50 years after the closing of the Civil War. Others report seeing a phantom boy who enjoys playing in the attic. Throughout the day, his little footsteps can be heard pouncing around upstairs as, and as he giggles and laughs. According to one historian, the attic space once functioned as the servants' quarters for the property. Is it possible, then, that the ghostly boy is none other than one of the servants who once lived here? Maybe if you believe that version of the haunting tale. For others, they adamantly believe that the little boy is Julian, the son of Nathaniel Hawthorne, Personally, I find this hard to believe, since by the time Hawthorne did have children, he no doubt wouldn't have been visiting the Turner Ingersoll Mansion as frequently as he did in his youth. The last frequently seen specter at the House of the Seven Gables is none other than Susanna Ingersoll, Nathaniel Hawthorne's cousin, who regaled him with the terrible tales of the Salem witch, witch hysteria. Her spirit had been spotted walking the halls of her former home and even peeking out the windows to those who enter the estate through the garden below. Has the ghost of Susan Ingersoll never left then? It seems likely, according to various reports, that she is perfectly content to remain at the home that her father bought from the impoverished John Turner III. 
Okay, so we're not going to go to the attic. And I don't know if we can go there because if I hear little footsteps and a child laughing, you know, I don't like that shit. Burn it down. Yeah. Okay. So, haunted encounters at the Turner Ingersoll Mansion. When the TV show Ghost Hunters visited the Turner Ingersoll, Adam Barry informed author Samuel Baltruis that the strength in paranormal investigating is to rely on one's intuition. He told Baltrusis, then repeated in Baltrusis's book, Ghosts of Salem, As investigators, we try to not go on feelings because you can't prove feelings, but you can't ignore your biggest organ, which is your skin and the goosebumps you get and the feeling like you're being watched. Well, the following reported paranormal encounters at Nathaniel Hawthorne's former haunt goes to show that Turner and Ingersoll's House of the Seven Gables has a lot more otherworldly activity than many might want to believe. And the website Grave Addiction has gone through the hard lengths to collect them all. So, the disembodied voice. In October of 2006, one visitor, Christopher, toured the Turner Ingersoll with his girlfriend. Unfortunately, they'd arrived too late, 7.30 p.m., and the museum was already closed for the day. They stayed a while anyways, snapping photos and genuinely enjoying the atmosphere of the property. The following day, they returned to Salem in the early evening to make sure they didn't miss the chance of a tour for the second day in a row. They checked in and, according to the story, never even knew the place was supposed to be haunted. When Christopher descended to the bottom of the infamous attic stairs, he heard the distinct sound of a woman's voice next to his ear. Shh, shh, the voice murmured. Christopher whipped around, expecting to see his girlfriend standing right there, but she wasn't. Apparently, she was a good four feet away, standing in the middle of the stairwell, and she hadn't said a single word. Dun dun. So he heard a woman's voice say, shh, like shh. And nobody before then had heard voices other than the the child's. I guess. I don't know. Like, well, obviously, like, they didn't know that it was haunted, right? They. I mean, they claim that. They claim that. But I don't know. We don't know. Let's go to this museum that we didn't know was haunted because we just wanted to tour it randomly, let's just say. Right. You show up late and you're like, shucks. And you're like, we'll get up real early tomorrow and be here first thing in the morning. Nah, they knew that shit was haunted. They, they yeah, least, but if they, they did, then why did they show up so late? I don't know. Maybe she was getting dressed. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Unease in the attic. Over the years, the most common paranormal phenomenon that people experience is complete unease in the attic. Yeah, well, there's going to be unease in the attic because of the child. Any, I, don't know, no, I don't know anybody that goes into an attic and was like, yeah, I could sleep here. I didn't even I didn't even ever go into the attic in the house in Kernersville. <laughs> no. And then I didn't. You did. You had to. Yeah, when I was replacing lights and stuff like that, I had it was easier Mm-mm. to get up there to get to the wiring. Mm-mm. Not me. Keep my ass on the ground. And then the one day you didn't fucking close the door like it was just um like it was a piece of wood pretty much with insulation on it and you just popped it in there and oh then yeah popped the hatch it, it had moved yeah. it had moved and i had just listened to a daggum story on scared to death about how somebody was living in this somebody was attic. living in their attic <laughs> and i was like listen i will move out of this house <laughs> so I'm not. and i wasn't going up there to check 
I don't know anybody who's like, oh, yeah, I can sleep in an attic or a basement or feel or go into one and like feel super comfortable. Yeah, I don't. Because even your so. even your parents' basement is like, it's just cold. It feels good in the basement. So anyway, it does feel good in the basement, but it's I don't know. Just a few years ago, one visitor explained that her visit to the House of the Seven Gables began normally. It was when she ascended the stairs to the attic that an eerie sense of unease slithered, slithered, slithered through her. Suddenly, I felt queasy and lightheaded, and I couldn't breathe, she wrote to Grave Addiction. I had the feeling that I had to get out of the room now, and I could not concentrate, and it felt incredibly anxious. Which then again, it's an attic. It could also be that she's claustrophobic. Yeah, or just has really bad anxiety. Right. While the feeling subsided upon leaving the attic space, others reported the same threatening sensation. One anonymous visitor to Grave Addiction even went so far as to write in, I am sensitive to that sort of stuff, and I felt a very strong presence inside the attic area. I remember doing a quote-unquote double take for no explained reason in the attic toward the little window facing the waterfront, but nothing was there. I'm sensitive to this stuff, and I felt a very powerful presence in this Chili's tonight. I think there are people who are mediums. I mean, you can... Well, obviously, this person doesn't have very good abilities because they did it anonymously. Well, that too. But, well, maybe they just didn't want people to think they were crazy, like you do. I don't think she's crazy. Or, I'm assuming it's a she. I don't think they are crazy. Full of shit. Oh, my God. But not crazy. Oh, my God. Uh, Did a double take? This goes back to the story. Oh, hell. With the sink. What sink? Oh, the La Lorna? The yeah. La, the La Llorona? With the freaking sink. <laughs> I said the name in the mirror, and then I was drowning in four inches of water in my sink, and my mom had to come and help. You're full of shit. <laughs> no. Oh, my God. Absolutely that, not. That one that, that one story out of all the other ones that we told were pretty much like, that one was, that one was crazy. Yeah. That one was a little unbelievable. Later, the same visitor reported capturing a face of a woman in one of the upstairs windows while she walked the gardens. Is it possible that the phantom face she caught on her camera was Susanna, Susanna, Susanna Ingersoll? The same ghostly woman reported to roam the halls of the Turner Ingersoll mansion? We may never know. I mean, it's possible. So, I mean, okay, so she, she felt a presence in the attic. And then later... I feel God in this Chili's tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Even Eli had something to say about that. No, okay, so she felt a presence. And then later on, she went downstairs. And she went outside. To the gardens. To the gardens. And is looking up and sees a woman's and face And sees her there. face. So maybe she's not crazy. Maybe she just got the feeling. I get weird feelings. Remember that house? You know that house. That's why I don't, I'm glad I don't have to. <laughs> Low-key would have bought it. Who? Well, whose money? You know there's a meat shop in the back where they cut up all the people with chainsaws. Oh, my God. That house is so <laughs> It looks straight creepy. out of Texas Chainsaw. I'm just, that's the one thing that I'm, like, glad that I don't have to go out to my mom's house every day. Like, because sometimes when... You know, 421 was jacked up. It's like I'd go off. I'd take Union Cross and come that way. And I have to pass that house. And every time before I even get to that house, my stomach just 
drops. Like, I hate that house. Can you look up a picture of the... Wow. There you go. Okay, so what 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 are seven gables? I don't understand. I don't really know what a gable is. The gable is the peak. The peak. Okay, so how are there seven of them? One, two, three, four, five, six. There's supposed to be eight. Both sides. Ah, that's what it is. That's where the one I'm missing. Oh, okay. Is that a picture? Is that picture of it after it was restored? I would assume so. Can you find a picture of it before it was restored? Like, Lord. just look up like. Okay, I like I like that better. That's really that's really. Pretty. I mean, it looks pretty much the same. Yeah, I think they just they just redid the roof and the siding, and then yeah. probably the People inside. People need to understand that they're claustrophobic because that's the secret staircase. Oh Dude, my that thing god! Looks like eighteen inches wide. Oh my gosh! It's behind a fireplace. All the brick is crooked because it's so freaking old. They probably didn't. Well, it's probably all original, so they probably just didn't want to mess with it. You don't. You're really. You really shouldn't mess with original brick, in my opinion. You should not. I have this uneasy feeling. No shit. I would too. Let me see. That's sketchy. Dude. Oh my Look god! How tight that- Drop the entire iPad. The whole thing. <laughs> Just throw it. But yeah, it's like. That looks smaller. Yeah. That looks smaller than like some of the the caves that you can walk into in like Linville Caverns. Okay, that's a child climbing up them. Oh my god. Yeah, the, 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 that staircase is, is 18 inches wide. It's got to be. Maybe two feet. I will definitely be posting pictures of it. Sometimes I most I might post them late, but I'll, I'll try and catch up on Instagram so you guys can get pics and stuff. So that's, yeah, that's, I don't, no wonder you're claustrophobic. This cat is tearing up my chair. So, yeah, I wouldn't, that. You can get married there? Yeah, I, I saw that it was an event center, too. Like, I think it's an event thing. Yeah, I think the, the uneasy feeling going up there is more of the claustrophobia and probably the still air. Mm-hmm. It's and probably plus, so, it's probably musty. Musty. And then, you know, knowing that it's haunted, or potentially haunted. And, and you go in there and you have that thought of, like, I want to see something, because we all know that people see what they want to see, not... Like, if you tell somebody, you're just like, hey, I saw a ghost here, and this is what it looked like, blah, 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 They will blah. see it. They'll probably, they will Dude, put so... I saw so, the exact same thing, man. Yeah, they'll put it in their mind that that's what they're going to see, and then they'll fixate on it, and they'll see it. So, it's a really fixate. pretty house, though. Fixate. 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 It's a really pretty house, though. Not a fan of the black. I know. I like the... I bet that oh. fucker gets hot. Oh, I'm sure. Well, you got to have ridge vents in the scene. <laughs> Yeah, because ridgements were such a thing, you know, back in the 17th well, I'm and 18th when century. They, when they restored it. No. They, when did they, they restore they, it? They don't restore stuff like that. They go straight they go, they go straight back to it. They wouldn't put ridgements in it. Oh, my God. That's stupid. It probably It's probably hot in there then. It's probably super hot in the summer and it's super cold in the in winter, the winter when, it's, when it's, you know, got tw- 12 damn feet of snow on the ground up there. <laughs> so, I don't know. But... That is pretty much all I have on that story. So maybe I feel like I should that's so read. So Forrest Gump, that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> I feel like I should read the Scarlet Letter because I never have. But it's such a well, I never read it. I had to read it in the sixth grade. I never read it. The only book that I had to read, like, well, there was one book that I had to read, but I definitely just like used spark notes on it because I long hated story, it. long story short, you, you could just alert, watch easy a <laughs> pretty much, <laughs> uh, but not really. So Scarlet letter. Oh boy. Lady gets pregnant. Yes. Has a child. 
Yes. With the, I don't know what he would be called, the uh, head of the church. I don't know if he's a pastor or okay. if he's a priest, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody can prove it's hers. Okay. Or prove that it's his, excuse me. Okay. So she got a scarlet letter of being a whore. Qu- oh. Quotations whore. Right. Um, she was an adulterer. An, an adulterer, right. Not a whore. Well, God. it kind of went hand in hand. Well, they call her that in the book too, though. Oh, really? Yeah, like it, she just gets, whenever she goes out in public... It's she has to wear it. It's on all of her clothes. The child's a bastard because oh we don't know who the dad is, but they they know. Yeah, they they know. Um, yeah, it's not it's not good. I was not a fan of it. Then again, I was also sixth grade. I cared way more about Call of Duty and Halo. But you read it so young. I was in it all advanced classes. God, you such a nerd. Yeah, yeah. Because the only book that I have actually read. That I was made to read, and that I actually really ended up liking. Gatsby was Gatsby, yeah, the Great Gatsby. I read Gatsby in seventh grade. Gatsby, 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 Gatsby. Uh, Gatsby was seventh grade, the abridged version, and then the full version we read freshman year high school. The what? The abridged, the shorter version. I think that's probably what I read. Yeah, then they read it. They made us read the full one. Okay, f- freshman year. But I didn't read the Great Gatsby until like tenth grade or eleventh grade. Um, 10th grade was Les Miserables. God, what the, is wrong with you? The entirety of it. Not the abridged. The abridged version is like, oh lord, three or four hundred pages. And then the full version of it is, uh... That's why you like Les Mis so much. I love the musical. I think it's really good. Oh my god. Well, isn't... The movie has Hugh Jackman in the, it. The musical, the new one the new one because there's like 19 different films for les mis right there's like super old so the ones. unabridged version is 1500 pages the, what yeah that's the unabridged that's the unabridged that's what you read yes and how long did you have to read that book it was the semester the whole semester so, so three 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 months i think a semester july like- august september october november December, so six months. Well, I give her probably five. Probably Wait, five. Why months. did you read it through summer? We had to start it in summer. It was part of our summer reading. You had to read a certain amount of so it. So you did. Ha- so you did have. So it was six months you had to read because you had the yeah. three months of summer pretty much, and then yeah, up until like December, January ish. Right till till Christmas break probably. And then the abridged version that a lot of high schools make kids read is only eight hundred pages, so it's cut in half. Wow. Yeah, you and you miss a you miss a whole lot. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I read a lot in high school because of classes. You gotta think, so when I graduated high school, I was a sophomore in college, almost a junior. I don't even remember the only book that I remember reading was oh, the other book that I remembered reading was that I didn't read that I definitely used Spark Notes for was To Kill a Mockingbird. Didn't read that. I hated it. I hate that book. Like, not not because of what it's about. I don't. Like, that's fine. I hated reading it. I just couldn't. I I have, like, this comprehension issue. No. And I... Stop. And I <laughs> cannot... Like, if, if, if a book does not grasp my attention in, like, the first chapter, I'm done. I, I am checked out. So, like, I, I couldn't read that book. And then our junior year, we could start. We could pick our own books, but it had to be a certain amount of pages. So I just went Stephen King. Ooh. And then senior year was Tolkien, where I went and read the Three Lord of the Rings books, which my teacher said was uh, a cop out. Why? I don't know. And I'm like, I'd never read the books. I'd watched the movies. 
And everybody's like, hey, the books are always better, obviously. Like 99.99% of the time they are. And I read the books and she's like, that's a cop out. Why? Did she say why? She didn't like me. I didn't like her. It was a mutual disagreement. Oh, okay. So anyways, so that's the story of, you know, of the House of the Seven Gables and also apparently how we, you know, did or didn't like reading in high school and middle school for you. I'm really surprised that this was not like during the, because I know with me, I, there was like a whole, like four weeks of the Salem Witch Trials. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised we didn't read this book. The Scarlet Letter or the House of the Seven Gables? The House of the Seven Gables. I didn't even know that that was a book, really. I mean, I didn't either, but I mean, it seems pretty... I know Anne of Green Gables. <laughs> I know that book, not the House oh of the Seven Gables. Well, see, and then the high school that I went to, they focused so heavily on King Arthur, not really the witch trials. Because, mm. you know, we were the Black Knights, North Davidson. Mm. Wow. <laughs> so it was all King Arthur all the time, man. Wow. That's why you know so much about him. Yeah, it's kind of ingrained. <sighs> kind of ingrained. But King Arthur had nothing to do with the round table. One of his knights actually built it. Is that why they're called the Knights of the Round Table? Well, yeah, but the knight that actually like designed it and built it, his name was Circumference. Please stop it. Bugga! <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, you know what? And on that note, we're just going to go because... I'm going to have to go get beat real quick. What? You're going to beat me after that Yeah. Joke. That was good. No, it wasn't. Come on. Circumference? That's funny. Stop. All right. Well, y'all have You're a good week. You're so stupid. So now you know what I deal with all the time. Perfection. It, right. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next time. And sorry that this episode is a little bit shorter than normal, but I did kind of throw the story together like really quickly. But anyways, it was a good story. And now you know about the House of the Seven Gables. And if you've been there... As always, if you've been there, please send us pictures. If you go there, send us pictures. If you live there and you know more about it, let us know. Yep. And maybe we will check out, because we've been on a reading kick, so maybe we'll check out the House of the Seven Gables book. I'll buy a copy. <laughs> Doubtful. I'll, I'll really get it and then get like a <laughs> chapter in and be like, nah. Mm-mm. I'm bored now. <laughs> add it to your book collection. Yeah, I'll see if it's on Kindle. <laughs> so, anyways, there's your story. There's your episode for the week. We'll see you next week with another one. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks for coming to hang out with us and letting us tell you stories. Don't forget, you can find us on social media, Facebook and Instagram at 3AM Tales of Terror. You can find pictures from each episode there as well as our website, 3, the number 3, 3AMTalesOfTerror.com. You can also subscribe with your email at our website for updates as well. If you have questions or story ideas for us, you can email us at info at 3amtalesofterror.com. If you want to support us, you can sign up to become part of our Patreon. There you will get ad-free episodes as well as bonus content. We hope you'll join us next week. And And we we hope hope you were terrified. terrified.